Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the Bernabeu flings it back! I'm, I'm not a problem with soccer to be fair. Football. Oh, what a start! Oh, what I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. Hello everybody, welcome to House of Champions. Delighted to say that I'm joined by Mike Lahoud and Nigel Rio Coca as we pick through the best of the Europa League quarterfinals action beginning at the Estadio Sanchez Pijuan. We'll be reacting to the bombshell ruling in Italy that sees Juventus jump to third in Serie A as well. We'll also touch upon the Europa Conference League where Nigel's West Ham have indeed blown away Ghent in order to reach the semi-finals. So don't forget to like, comment and subscribe, download, follow, leave a five-star review for us as well. And if that's not good enough, then share by word of mouth, tell a friend. It's always the best way, sticking to the old school methods. Mike Lahoud, I'm going to have to come to you first, I'm afraid. Uh, I, I would ask how you are, but I'm pretty sure I know what the answer is going to be. What <laughs> on earth happened in Spain this evening? Uh, disaster struck. Uh, disaster struck Manchester United a few times this season, but this was total capitulation of the highest order. I'd said earlier in the week that I didn't have a good feeling. I thought I had a better feeling only if Marcus Rashford was seen starting in the 11. But how this game started, how this match started, two of the main characters, almost villains, in a Manchester United jersey in the last two or three seasons were added again. I'm talking about David De Gea and Harry Maguire. David De Gea told Harry Maguire on the first goal, anything you can do, I can do way better, and just had an absolute howler, howler of a lifetime. And I just want to point out something. I, I never apologize to one James Benj that often because, well, it's Benj. But Benj and I were going back and forth talking about is David De Gea one of the elite goalkeepers in the Premier League or one of the elite goalkeepers throughout Europe? I, I put my neck out on the line for David De Gea. I will never do that again because I was wrong. He was crap in this match, and that was really the difference. Sevilla, credit to them. They were on the front foot, and that first goal was everything. If United went through the first couple minutes without getting that first, or conceding that first goal, then they gave himself a chance, but they didn't do that. Clearly, they didn't want to make it to the next round. I'm pissed. Yeah, I think for me, Mike, when I look back at that game, though, I felt that there was like a lack of energy from Manchester mm. United. I didn't yeah. see no energy. I don't know whether it was the, the temperature that caused the problem to the players, but they just looked so slow, so off the pace for a game of that importance and magnitude for them that they needed to win. They're lacking tempo. I felt in the final third, they were lacking any real kind of connectivity, creativity or finding that final pass or just making something happen. It was not a good performance. And I don't think there's much blame you can put in Eric Ten Hag's uh, feet. But the one question I would say is for me, in a game like that, I question why Fred didn't start. I think Fred, for me, 
has that energy, that high tempo. That's what's needed in that midfield area. He should have started for me over Sabitza for me, in my opinion. I just don't see why he started. He didn't contribute anything. And going back to the first goal, goals change games, as we all know. To concede such a cheap, poor goal in a like, to the likes of Sevilla this far into the competition, you've really shot yourself in the foot. Because like we said already, we discussed, I'm sure that Sevilla is probably first sellout of the season for this season uh, at home against Manchester United. And for me, I will defend David De Gea in this one. Because if you're yeah. playing centre-back for Manchester United, for one of the top clubs in European football, you need to be able to handle this situation there. Harry Maguire made it so predictable that he was going to try and play the ball to Wan-Bissaka. When you're a centre-back at the highest level, you need to see and know everything that's around you. If he lets that ball run across his body, that is three severe players out of the picture. Yeah. That's what you talk about awareness. The top players in world football are very aware of what's going on there. He should know what's going on. He just makes it so predictable. Lackluster attempt, technically, to get the ball over into Wan-Bissaka's area. And for me, I will put the blame more so at Harry Maguire's feet than I would at David De Gea. Because again, we get to watch all these great teams in European football and world football. We've seen Real Madrid play out of tighter areas and situations where we think they're taking a risk. But that's how level and high caliber of players that they have. And that first goal really did change everything for Manchester United today. Well, it's interesting hearing you talking as well about uh, Sabitzer starting because we know that he scored the two goals in the first leg, but he was also carrying an injury coming into this one. So it was quite baffling to see Ten Hag risk him, but not risk some of the others who were also doubts coming back in. You know, we saw Rashford, Shaw thrown on at the beginning of the second half, which, you know, suggested that Ten Hag was getting a bit desperate because let's not forget as well, uh, you know, Sevilla were, you know, a you know, a couple of inches away from having a two-goal lead at half-time. You know, a Campos with a fine finish, uh, yeah. right decision to to rule the goal offside, but still not that much in it. Uh, you know, and let's uh, you know credit to Sevilla as well. You know, the Europa League really is you know their their bread and butter. It's the, the the competition we associate them with the most, and they really showed their pedigree here. It's not a classic Sevilla side by any. Uh, you know, stretch of the imagination. But what Jose Luis uh, Mendilibar has done since taking over that team, leading them away from relegation in La Liga, but also leading them now to the semi-finals and on onto the brink, really, uh, of a potential seventh Europa League title is really, really impressive. Just a reminder for all of you still tuning in, definitely get your questions across for Mike and Nigel. But uh, don't forget that we've still got Roma and Feyenoord going on. Roma now 3-1 up, so that is good enough to take Jose Mourinho's men through Final did look to have pulled off a shock result when Peixal, uh equalised in Rome, but uh, Dybala's goal and then El Shirawi, uh, you know, cropping up with some key strikes there. So Roma at this moment in time playing in extra time, but still going through 3-1 on the night, 3-2 on aggregate, and then some other results from elsewhere, Sporting uh, again drawing with Juve 1-1, which sees Juve go through 2-1 on aggregate. And then you have Union, who got blown out by, by Leverkusen 4-1, which created a 5-2 victory for the Germans. We will get to the Europa Conference League in a little bit. We'll continue uh, dissecting this Manchester United result uh, at this moment in time. And Mike, I'm going to come back to you. Um, you know, really, is this the moment you think that Ten Hag is convinced that he has to move on from the likes of De Gea? 
Gea and Maguire because if for me this feels like it was a self-inflicted defeat over two legs you know throwing it away at home with two late own goals and then basically gifting Sevilla two of their three goals here as well it, you know it just feels like you know Ten Hag is kind of swimming against the tide sometimes with some of these players. I think one player for sure has definitely nailed his exit strategy, and that's Harry Maguire. When you're at fault for two goals that cost you this tie, the first goal, clearly, Nigel, I agree with you, that is square on Harry Maguire. This is the same Harry Maguire that starts for England, that English journalists and pundits from around the world applaud him when he puts on an England shirt. When he puts on the United shirt, I'm calling match-fixing on this guy. That's how pissed off I am at his performances for United. It's a sham. He's playing without any confidence when he plays for England is other players covering for him. He has players who are getting minutes week in and week out. And Harry Maguire, please do not see the field again. Eric Ten Hag, please do not do this to me again, man. I'm young. I'm in my 30s. I don't want to age. I will when I see this guy on my TV screen. For David De Gea, it's a bit of a, an enigma. This is a goalkeeper that's leading the Premier League in clean sheets. And I, I think that can be a bit of a, a tricky thing because there's contract disputes up for a new deal. Uh, he's already gotten a new deal in the last couple of years. The fans are behind him at times, especially some of his displays at Old Trafford. But there's worrying signs for me. I would be in the market for another goalkeeper to keep competition because David De Gea, he is not sturdy or as sturdy as he once was a couple of seasons back. Well, I think for me that we'll have to say that Manchester United have had so many players there that have become too comfortable. And you're right. I think it is time to move on. And the problem is that they've got is that it's a difficult situation because financially you need owners who are going to back a manager. And for me, Eric Ten Hag is a good manager. I think that, again, it's very difficult to put this defeat today on the manager. It's the players. The players and the performances that they put in, you can clearly see. We've all got eyes to see. Harry Maguire has been very questionable for a while as Roman keeps on getting involved in this. <laughs> uh, and, and I think today's performance just shows it how difficult a situation... Hey, hey, hey. How difficult a situation is at Manchester United. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's a, it is a challenging uh, situation for, for Ten Hag to be dealing with at this moment in time, the club potentially being sold uh, at this moment in time. And, uh, you know, United were looking potentially at picking up three pieces of silverware. One is gone. One is in play this Sunday in the FA Cup semi-final against Brighton. Uh, and then there's still plenty of competition to finish in the top four as well. Well, this is the third time Sevilla have beaten United in knockout ties. Uh, in the Champions League last 16 in uh, 2017-18, Europa League semi-final in 2019-20. Second consecutive season, in fact, the United have tasted defeat in uh, at the hands of Spanish opposition in the Europa League as well, because, of course, they were beaten on penalties by Unai Emery's Villarreal not too long ago. But let's uh, give some credit to uh, Sevilla for a moment here, uh, Nigel. You know, were you expecting them to put this kind of performance in? You know, we've been talking about how they really didn't look, uh, you know, at the right level in the Champions League at all. But then suddenly when they dropped down into the Europa League, they, they seem to be, uh, you know, far more comfortable, far more at ease, uh, you know, within their within their own skin uh, and suddenly capable of, you know, beating some of these teams despite not having the, the, the great uh, severe sides of the past. I think it's quite interesting, JJ, because I feel that it's one of those situations where if it was anyone else apart from Manchester United, Sevilla may be out of this competition. I think this is what happens sometimes from a player's perspective. When you play certain top teams, you raise your game. And I think Sevilla raised their game 
probably better their own expectations. I had great faith in Manchester United to get through this tie because of the consistency of what they've shown and what Eric Ten Hag has done to this team to transfer transform them uh, to be at this level. They let themselves down big time. I think for me, with this performance by Sevilla, they roll back the clocks. They show that what they are capable of. But the thing is, it's easy to do this against Manchester United in this competition, that they have such a big historic uh, winning mentality in. They need to transform these type of performances domestically as well because they show they're capable. And I thought today Rakovic, uh, Rakovic really rolled back the clock today to show mm. how good a player he is, Rakitic. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, I, when you say Rakovic, I was thinking, is that Rak? Ra- I can't even say the word. <laughs> Rakitic's twin brother. <laughs> no, just to, to hit at a quote that Ivan Rakitic said before the game and before the match, the warning signs were there. He said, De Gea and Casemiro, who have played here, will surely explain to them, and then them being Manchester United, that this is something else. You get anywhere, and they say that this is Sevilla's competition. They are going to suffer. And boy, was he right. United suffered for 90 minutes. It didn't even look like they got off the plane. It looked like they were all still at the tanning bed, still at the hotel, reading their mentions on Twitter. Well, I'd love to see what players are tanning, at tanning right beds now. before a game, Mike Lahoud. What, <laughs> well, what the, kind of matches tan- have you been preparing for? Tan- is, this what tan- ha- is this what happens in MLS? The tanning bed being the sun, because it was a hot one in Seville. <laughs> but this, the warning signs were there for Manchester United. And this is typical Sevilla in European competition. When they did it to them in the Champions League, it's across two legs. It's not being out of competition. It's making it competitive in the first leg when they go to Old Trafford. And then in the second leg, it's taking care of the business. The the Ramon Sanchez Pizjuan Stadium, it's a beautiful stadium, been there myself. When you get that crowd behind you, it is like playing against an extra player on the pitch. And this is a Sevilla team that once they get a bit of confidence and a bit of momentum behind them, they're like sharks. They hunted the ball well. They sat in the mid block and waited for United and baited them into just pressing traps. And when they got in front of goal, you're not going to miss much. The, the improvement that I saw, and I'm glad you mentioned Rakitic, the two wingers, Ocampos, who has not been a fixture or mainstay throughout the team, throughout this season, injuries, suspensions, attitude, he looked much better. And Eric Lamella stepping up, they played more narrow and outnumbered and outcrowded that United midfield three. And when they got the ball, they killed him. But I think for me, Mike, the thing is you've got to realise is it was always going to be a difficult second leg going to severe for Manchester United, regardless of who started. But my disappointment was I did not see any energy whatsoever, any urgency from the Manchester United side. I feel that I know, obviously, you know, Christian Eriksen is back and how important he is to Manchester United. But that was an unfit Christian Eriksen in that game that I saw today. Wasn't quite there. Casemiro, though, misplacing passes. But I would say the biggest thing that you did make a great point, Mike, is conceding a goal of that magnitude, that cheap goal you give to Sevilla away from home, sellout crowd. You shot yourself in the foot there. And it was always going to be a very difficult situation to come back from that moment on. Yeah, absolutely. And to think that you guys chuckled when I suggested that Sevilla were going to beat Manchester United just the other day when we were talking. I feel like I was uh, too generous towards United. I should have been harsher on them. Anyway, uh, we also chatted a bit of Spanish football with Fabrizio Romano earlier today, talking the latest on Barcelona. Also a bit of Chelsea, Manchester United and more. So you can catch that on the House of Champions YouTube page. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. 
Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Uh, CBS Sports Goletto Network, the first of its kind, free 24-7 channel dedicated exclusively to global soccer coverage, is now streaming on the CBS Sports app, Pluto TV, and Paramount+. Plus. Get your morning started off on the right foot at 7 a.m. with Morning Footy, our weekday soccer culture-driven morning show. Plus, don't miss the rest of our comprehensive programming lineup, including live matches and re-airs, original studio shows, highlights, documentaries, and much more CBS Sports Goletto Network is the ultimate year-round streaming destination for fans of the beautiful game. All right, guys, we're going to move on now to Sporting against Juventus. And I kind of feel bad for, uh, you know, Sporting that we're not going to talk as much about the game uh, compared to what happened off the pitch because, of course, Juventus have won their appeal, uh, which means that uh, they're going to jump to third. They're not fully in the clear, we should add, but for the moment, those 15 points have been reinstated to them, which you know massively changes the way that things look in Serie A. You've got Panatici's ban being upheld, so that's 30 months long, so we're waiting to hear what Tottenham Hotspur's decision over his future will be. Of course, he's been leading uh, that 100 for the replacement for Antonio Conte uh, and the, the same goes for Agnelli uh, and Federico Cherubini as well. Their bans also are upheld, although Pavel Nedved has been cleared. So what that means for his potential future, uh, I doubt a return to Juventus, but potentially uh, he could be back in the in the footballing game somewhere at some point sometime soon. But guys, is you know, would you agree, Nigel, that maybe Juve going to Sporting for what was quite a difficult, uh, you know, quarterfinal second leg, you know, was arguably overshadowed by the by the news that came out of Serie A towards the end of the day? I would have to say so, JJ. It does overshadow it because if you look at the Serie A standings now and with Roma doing well and obviously currently winning as we speak right now, that it makes Jose Mourinho look like an absolute miracle worker with what he's done with the two Milan teams now about to face off in the Champions League semi-final, and then they're both fighting to struggle to maybe finish in the top four. If Roma finish in the top four, I must say, Jose Mourinho's name deserves a lot of credit for what he's done with this Roma side and still keeping them in Europe. But from a Juventus, yeah, it definitely does overshadow the performance today. I think there's a lot going on. Um, there's a lot to take in. And as you stated, JJ, there is still some punishments that could be issued. So it's not the end of it. But from a perspective of being in the dressing room, you'd have to say this completely changes the mindset of the players and the mentality now. You know, it really that will breed some confidence in them. Obviously, I would still say that Napoli are going to win Serie A. But it's just absolutely amazing. And it's crazy. I just don't think you can get better, as JJ would say, uh, novellas than what we're seeing in Italy, in Spain, oh, and also gosh. in France. <laughs> we don't have a novella in England, JJ. Uh, don't forget a country here in the US. You and I can chat off uh, offline about that more in more detail. No one uh, talks about US soccer, Michael. No <laughs> one talks about US soccer. No, but keeping it on the pitch and touching on what you said, Nigel, I thought you, you touched on all things. The, only in Italy can you get points deducted can you get your entire board just almost excommunicated? Can you get people getting bans 
but still get your points back and still be back in the fold. This is just, this is Italian soccer. This is what makes Calcio, Calcio. And I'm here for it. On the field, though, Juventus, this is what they do. They manage the moment. You knew it was going to be a difficult game. They weren't as expansive as they were in the first leg. And they got that first goal. The first goal in this tie was going to be massive. We've seen from Sporting Lisbon in European competition, whether it be in the Champions League or Europa League, when they get that first goal at home, they are just a juggernaut of a team. They're, they're, they're punched above their weight throughout the season. And that front three, Marcus Edwards, he's he's been just amazing for them. He was one of their leading goal scorers in the Champions League. I wouldn't be surprised if teams come form in the summer. Tottenham Hotspurs, he was one of your own. You had him. You didn't love him. And now he's playing his trade in Portugal. Looking at the body of work uh, in total, still the, the banner is flying high for Italian soccer and Portuguese soccer. The quarterfinals, all teams out in the knockout stages. A big bummer because I was really hoping that between Porto, Benfica, and now Sporting Lisbon, one of them would do the business. But I think Juve were deserved winners. Well, I'm going to put this question to, to you guys. Do we think... The Allegri perhaps deserves a bit more credit for the way that he's managed to steer this Juve ship through a period of uncertainty, managed to, to keep them racking up the points in Serie A so that they can jump into this, uh, you know, quite impressive position now, all things considered, and also guide them to, uh, to your Europa League semi-final when their Champions League campaign was absolutely catastrophic at one point. It looked like they might even drop out of the out of Europe entirely. I mean, Nigel, do you think we deserve to maybe give Allegri a little bit of credit, even if we do recognise that he's, you know, perhaps still a little bit outdated at times? You've got to give him credit because the reality of it is when a manager's in those type of difficult situations, it is so hard to be a manager. There's a lot you have to deal with. And let's not act like Juventus doesn't have some huge egos in the dressing room. It takes a strong manager, a strong character to be able to handle those situations when everything's against you. And I think also you've got to give credit to Juventus, but it's whether you give credit to Juventus, JJ, or whether during this period they were restricted in being able to sack Allegri because of financial reasons and maybe because of the payout. So they had no option but to stick with him. But I tell you what, give credit to the Juventus fans because they stuck with him and believed in the manager and they put the blame at the feet of the players for not performing. So at the end of the day, I do give credit to Allegri because he did turn the ship around because Juventus, for me, looked an absolute shambolic uh, side of themselves of wearing that shirt and representing that club. And he still managed to stay on that ship, guide them the right way and grinding out results. And obviously now with uh, the point being deduction being overturned, you look at them qualifying for Champions League again next year, which is the minimum expectancy of a club like Juventus. Yeah, I think you had to look at what Max Allegri had to deal with when he got the job there, when he took over and coming into this season, he had gotten a Paul Pogba who was unfit. Angel Di Maria gets injured. Paredes, the less we say about him in that relationship, the better. JJ, you'll know more about that. And they're just ugly in fighting and where that relationship stands. So these are three big players. One of them started in the FIFA World Cup final, won the World Cup, another World Cup champion. And you don't have your main players. You get this big band, you get the points deduction. And where does he turn? He turns to the youth, the youth academy system of Juventus. Fajoli, he's been a revelation for Juventus. Moretti gets the start, hadn't been starting throughout this competition, or as of late, didn't look out of place 
at all. That is a balanced Juventus squad. And Locatelli, the job he's done, he was in a more advanced role to start the season. Being that anchor, that playmaker, deep-lying playmaker, he's been the metronome, Mr. Consistency. And golf clap for Adrian Rabio. Big fan of this guy. Played well at the FIFA World Cup with France. And he got the goal. It's his 11th of the season. And where does he stand? Joint top scorer for Juventus this season. That's well done from the Frenchman and well done for Allegri and Juventus. JJ, gonna... Michael's just giving Rabio the kiss of death. Whenever Michael backs a player, <laughs> be afraid, mate. So Rabio's gone for the season. Well, it's to, to be honest, it's funny that you say that because I was about to turn it around to Mike because obviously Rabio came close to joining United last oh. summer. Didn't happen. <laughs> now he's suddenly a free agent and he's in this kind of form. Mike Lahoud, what are you saying? Adrian Rabio to, to Old Trafford? I mean, no, I, no, I, I would no. I would love to see I would love to see Rabio's mum and uh, Ten Hag going at it over his uh, contractual bonuses. Well, this Rabiot, was at, yeah. Go on, Nigel. Rabio would avoid Manchester United like the plague. <laughs> That's what you would do. He'd avoid them like the plague after he sees the highlights from tonight's game. Uh, we'll, we'll have to uh, have did. him on House of Champions first to get the exclusive on when that deal is happening. No, United, they have too many midfielders. The focus, and we'll hear from Fabrizio Urbano, can't wait for when he says that here we go. The focus better be on getting a lead striker for Manchester United. That is a missing ingredient. And if I don't hear that Harry Maguire is on the transfer list, you know what? I'm going to be shopping around for one of my 20 teams that I support. I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> well, you know what? It's funny that uh, uh, you've got uh, producer Des jumping in and saying apparently Klopp is uh, is, is a big fan of Rabio, and uh, then uh, just slightly dropping in that he's a B-list uh, Bellingham, and uh, you know, <laughs> insinuating that Liverpool might be uh, shopping around the bargain bins at the moment. Guys, keep your keep your comments coming in. Get some questions into Mike and Nigel. We will be taking a short break in a moment, but before then, now we mentioned. Mourinho and Roma earlier and the amazing job that it seems like he's done now with this team when you look at the Serie A table with Juve having those points reinstated but just 10 days before Juve's uh, appeal was successful Jose Mourinho said are we really third are we really sure that Juve don't have 59 points and it turns out that the wise Portuguese master knew it all along and he's now got his Roma side not only competing for a place in the top four in Serie A, but also going to a Europa League semi-final as well. They're 4-1 up against Feyenoord, just minutes left to go, and they've turned what looked like a potential dramatic exit into quite a heroic turnaround. So we will be back in a moment. All right, guys, welcome back. Well, we no further ado, we are going to get into Roma against Feyenoord. No away fans, of course, and probably for the best because Feyenoord have really crumbled and fallen away uh, during extra time and Roma are running out quite convincing winners now. Bellotti starting over Tammy Abraham. No Dybala in the starting 11, but did come on, of course, to score an all-important goal, which sent it to extra time. Mourinho's coaching staff have received 12 red cards this season. Another <laughs> bit of touchline drama uh, in this one as well. So it's uh, I'm going to come to come to you, Nigel, first. I mean, obviously, Roma very, very close to, to dropping out. But you were saying earlier that Mourinho deserves a lot more credit for what he's been able to do. Uh, you know, we'll extend that from the Serie A discussion to uh, Europa League as well. Obviously, he he was he coached Roma to winning the Conference League last season. Could potentially coach Roma to winning the the Europa League this season, and could also lead Roma into the Champions League via the Serie A table. Is 
is Jose back? Is he is is he back at his best after a, a few years of maybe underachieving? I think Jose's always been there, um, JJ. The only reason why I say that is his style is his style. What's been missing is the generation change in players. But if he had a lot more generation players that he's used to still playing in the modern game now and he could acquire and uh, get those teams together, he will be very successful. And you look at the reflection of how Roma play. There's an intensity behind them. There's a nastiness to the, by them. There's a competitive edge all around the team. And it reminds me a bit of what he also had at Inter, Inter Milan when they won the Champions League. Very same kind of similar kind of team style. A lot of characters. Once Jose has 11 of those type of players who do the nasty work of the game, the front and the back, he's a successful manager. He makes all these players feel on cloud nine. And the fact of his coaching staff is getting involved as well. Because earlier in the day, I had Ian's Best Buy people, so I managed to watch both <laughs> games. The coach grabbing the player from the final, grabbing the ball from the final player and kind of hitting him and being sent off for that. It just shows the, the energy and the sense of the messaging that's put throughout that whole team. It's not just the players. It's the coaches also that have to have that winning mentality and that kind of dirty side of the game. He deserves a tremendous amount of credit because no one thought that Roma could finish in the top four in how they were performing in Serie A. And now you look at where they are. And like you said, JJ, semi-final again. I mean, the, the one team that I would say I've seen Jose Mourinho marry where you manage, where you can question, is probably his time at Manchester United. But again, there was a lot going on at Manchester United. And you talk about the character of the players and along all these other things. Mm -hmm. But what he's done at Roma and the players that he's got, and I always say this, the way teams play, JJ, is a reflection of the manager that's in charge. And I think when you look at Roma, it's a true reflection of Jose Mourinho and what he expects and wants. And that is why they're successful. So we absolve Mourinho of any blame at Spurs. Is that what we're saying? Spurs, <laughs> we Spurs, Spurs we is too strong. Even Let me Jose. just say this about Spurs. Antonio Conte said it all. Antonio Conte is the one manager that came and said exactly what Spurs is. You look at the history of managers that they've had, it's hard to look at the managers anymore at Spurs, but look elsewhere. Ain't that right? <laughs> well, to get back to <laughs> Mourinho, Nigel, I, I will forever respect whenever we bring Tottenham. You always have the one-two punch to hit the knockout blow for Spurs fans. When we get back to Jose Mourinho, what I think of when I look at this Roma team and the character they, they've shown last year, the character that they have currently, is there's complete buy-in even from staff members, Salvatore Foti, his assistant, that, I'm going to say a double take thinking, that was so Mourinho-esque. That, that is shithousery to the maximum, and that puts the game on Roma's terms. It gets the crowd going. It gets the Roma players going, because this Feyenoord team, they are a good team, and they were, what, eight, nine minutes away from creating just bedlam back in the Netherlands. I still think they would be looked at as having an amazing run, a very good season. They're about to be crowned Dutch champs. But if you don't clear your lines in Europe's biggest competitions, where you, they did it twice, the first goal, Spinazzola, the ball's bouncing around. It falls to Spinazzola. Really happy for him. Remember him from the Euros. He was on the, the Euros team of the year, had the big injury, didn't make it to the final. So he's back to health and back to good form. I'm getting the goal, but it was teed up when Paulo Dybala stepped on the pitch. You heard the fans chanting, Dybala, Dybala. It was almost like this tidal wave coming up. And when the ball fell at his feet and beautiful assist from uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini to just deft touch weigh it to Paulo Dybala, there was only going to be one winner when that went to extra time. And it showed. Mike, what were they chanting again, Mike? Just just do the chant for us again. because we missed Dybala, it. Dybala, Dybala. There you go. 
Why won't I just give credit to Mourinho saying the substitutions and the changes he made show how much of a good manager he is. The fact he didn't start Tammy Abraham and brought him later on to have an impact in the game. That, that is a good manager. Oh, I think Mike's still bitter from his time at Old Trafford, but we'll uh, we'll, we'll let him have that one. I think I think Mourinho's had plenty of uh, plenty of love in uh, in this episode, and deservedly so. You know, Roma going through reasonably comfortably in the end, and uh, you know we will see now how the how the the rest of the Europa League plays out for him. But uh, potential to win back to back continental trophies shouldn't be sniffed at by any manager. Now on to the final Europa League quarter final, Union SG getting blown out by Leverkusen at the end of the day. It was a really uh, heavy aggregate defeat. 4-1 on the night, 5-2 over the two legs. I don't think anyone really saw this coming. I certainly didn't. I mean, we know that Leverkusen can turn it on with the quality that they have going forward. But to see them go away and you know pulverize what had been a really tight Belgian outfit. Mike Lahoud, are we, uh, are we putting that down as maybe the performance of uh, this match day? Because you know I, I think... We all expected it to be a bit tighter. I know that we were talking with uh, with Ian uh, a day or so ago, in you know, previewing this game and saying that it was really difficult to know which way it would go. Poised at one one from the first leg, and for them to to go and be three 0 up uh, inside of sixty minutes, very impressive from uh, Xabi Alonso's man. And this is what we're seeing for in their form in the Bundesliga. This is the same Bayer Leverkusen team that's beaten Bayern Munich. Had a standout performance. Florian Wirtz doing it behind his play. His goal in the first leg at home, that was everything. That tees it up. It takes the pressure off. And in comes Musa Diaby getting that early goal in the first two minutes. The Senjilwa goalkeeper will have just a night to forget. He had a horror show. He didn't pull a De Gea. That is a verb now in Europa League competition. But he wasn't that much better. And you got to give credit to the two fullbacks for Leverkusen. Mitchell Backer, he was excellent. And Jeremy Frimpong both of them getting a goal and assist their willingness to step up high put pressure on center backs and the goalkeeper it yielded results well we'll move on from the Europa League now but fantastic performance from Leverkusen and looking at the Europa Conference League some interesting results there as well you've got Fiorentina advancing despite nearly throwing it away at home against Lech Poznan uh you've got RZ Alkmaar needing penalties against Anderlecht, but they blew away the, the aggregate deficit that they were suffering from really early in the game. So impressive performance from them. Matty Ryan coming up heroic in the penalty shootout. Nice throwing it away at home to Basel. They were 1-0 up up until the 86th minute taken to extra time. Beaten at home. So that's all French clubs out of continental competition. So I am Say it again, Jay. Jay, what'd you say? What'd you say? say the the you. Say it one more all, time. All French clubs out of uh, European competition, unfortunately. But Nigel, you're in a you're in quite a chirpy mood, uh, you oh, know, yeah, considering yeah. that we're talking about the Europa Conference League. So that must be because Ooh, of West Ham's four-one win over Ghent. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you have the floor to to speak about that one. Five-two on aggregate, four-one in the night, and an absolute beauty in there from Declan Rice as well in the second mm. half. It was a much-needed win. I think any wins right now for West Ham is what's needed because of keeping that winning mentality going because they're not having the great season domestically in the Premier League. Um, they got come up with a fantastic result past weekend, just gone against Arsenal from being 2-0 down, where it's a game you thought this could end up 5 or 6 with just how well Arsenal started. Being the league leaders and credit to the boys and credit to West Ham for coming back to making that 2-2. So I think that draw there has given them confidence and now it's just about keeping wins going. They just need to win every game, regardless if it's in Europe or domestically, 
just to keep that form and that belief going to stay in the Premier League again and, you know, look for probably big changes next season and how they're going to uh, move forward. Oh, look at that in the chat. JJ, your your Europa League predictions were spot on, by the way. Mr. Money, wow. Fantastic. Glad, glad to hear oh, that come there's on, been Vic, some, Vic, some, Vic, silver, some silver Vic, lining this evening. Nah, you're but a Chelsea Mike, fan. Vic, you're a Chelsea fan. Just concentrate hey, on Todd, all right, and see what Todd's doing. Just quick shout out. just found out about uh, financial fair play. <laughs> <laughs> just just quick shout out to Vic. Vic, thank you very much. I know we've had our back and forth. I know we've taken the piss out of both our teams, but thank you. Your condolences mean everything. I'll be at the hotel bar to take it from here. <laughs> well, one final topic for you guys before we get out of here. Uh, obviously, we've got uh, you know plenty to look forward to. Possible Premier League title decider coming up uh, next week as well between Man City and Arsenal. But while we're still talking about continental competition, you've got this potential, this mouthwatering, uh, you know, matchup between Xabi Alonso and Mourinho in the semi-finals. You know, you've got the the newcomer, uh, you know, the new kid on the block in managerial terms up against the the wily old veteran. This is going to be an exciting showdown, surely, Nigel. Oh, it's going to be fascinating to watch. I think there's going to be. Great respect there. And I'm sure Jose Marino looks at himself like the Jedi master. He looks at himself like a Yoda, while Javi is a Jedi in training. But it's going to be a real great encounter. Um, but again, it, it's hard to go against Jose Marino. What he's done with these competitions, what he's done with average teams and getting them to finals, you've got to give him his respect as one of the greatest managers we have seen in world football because he still continues to do it, even when people doubt him. I think it would be a great learning experience for Xavi. But um, yeah, I, I'm going to go with Jose getting the job done mm. because people thought that they'd probably be out with this final team and how good a final team they are. But Jose did everything right. You know, making the substitutes at the right time, picking the right teams. And obviously, like you said, he's Jose Mourinho. I mean, he's the type of manager that I would have liked to play for. You know, he's not going to mm. wrap you in cotton and put his arms around you all the time. You just go in there, do your job, and he'll give you praise when he gives you praise. And uh you just get on with it. Yeah, Nigel, I see this is old school versus new school, Ford versus Ferrari. Saw that movie, really liked it, but that's not why we're here to talk about it. Um, uh, Xabi Alonso, credit to him as well. What he's done with this Bayer Leverkusen team, they were just floundering when he took over. Took him some time. I think the World Cup break really helped him, and he had players. He had players like Musa Diaby. He had players like Florian Verts. He had things to work with, but what I, I love that what he's done, he took a Leverkusen team that was Cole and through pressure, through putting the philosophy that he has around them, he's turned them into a diamond, and I think they will be the diamond that shines brightest in the semifinal tie. I'm actually picking them to go through because I think it's a changing of the guard that's needed in the world's game. Oh, bold call wow. from Michael Hood. <laughs> Remember this, people. You heard well, it here. Know, anyone who Michael picks, they will crumble, <laughs> and it's the curse of Michael Lahoud. Well, Mike Lahoud will be hoping that they don't crumble like a piece of charcoal. Well, guys, that's all we've got time for. Thanks so much for listening to House of Champions. Please take a minute to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. We're also available as video. So subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Nigel Rio Coca, Mike Lahoud, thanks so much for joining me today and picking through all of that European action. We'll be back next week. Take care, guys. Until next time, it's goodbye. The curse of Michael's alive! <laughs>